Chapter 5 You do realize that if we're down here at the beach because of that news story, some controllers are probably down here too? Marco asked for about the tenth time. Yes, Marco, Jake said patiently. But maybe Cassie and Tobias can get some feeling from being down here, closer to the sea. So let me get this straight. We are now making decisions based on Tobias and Cassie's dreams, right? Marco said. And yet, my dreams are totally ignored. The fact that I once dreamed about staying home and watching TV in total safety, that means nothing, right? Right, Jake said flatly. We were at the beach, the same beach where the guy on the news had found what we now believed was a piece of an Andalite ship. It was night, with a sliver of moon that painted ripples of silver across the black water. A salt breeze blew off the water, making me feel peaceful, and yet a little overwhelmed, intimidated, the way the ocean always makes me feel. There's nothing quite as big as the ocean. It's like this entirely different planet, full of strange plants and fantastic animals. Valleys and mountains and caves and broad flat plains, all hidden from our sight. All I could see was the surface. All I could feel was the barest edge of the ocean, rushing over my toes as each wave crashed ashore. But I could sense it out there, I could sense how vast it was, and how tiny I was. How about my dream of living long enough to get a driver's license? Jake gave Marco an exasperated look. Marco, you can turn into a bird and fly. You could do it right now. Why would you care about driving a car a few years from now? The babes, Marco said instantly. Duh, you can't pick up girls when you're a bird. He glanced overhead where we could just see the hint of dark wings against a canopy of stars. No offense, Tobias, the wings are great, but I'm thinking of something bright red with about 400 horsepower. Marco's cooperative mood hadn't lasted long. I knew it wouldn't. Marco is never happy unless he's complaining about something. Just like Rachel's never happy unless she has something to fight against. And Tobias is never happy, period. He thinks if he's ever happy, someone will just come along and take his happiness away. So, Cassie? Rachel said. Do you feel anything? Well, I feel a little embarrassed, I admitted. And a little foolish. Maybe we could try calling the Psychic Friends, Marco suggested. Hi, is this Psychic Friends? I've been dreaming about aliens lately. Why Cassie and Tobias? Rachel wondered aloud, ignoring Marco. Why would they get these images so clearly, and the rest of us barely felt anything? Jake shook his head. I don't know. I mean, okay, say you're an Andalite, and you want to call for help. Who do you want to come rescue you? Other Andalites, obviously. Tobias isn't an Andalite, and neither am I, I pointed out. I know, Jake said. But maybe this communication, whatever it is, is tied into the ability to morph. You know, like morphing ability makes you able to hear it. That way, only Andalites would be able to receive the call for help. Which still doesn't explain why Tobias and I... Maybe it does, Marco interrupted, serious again. Look, Tobias is permanently in morph, and Cassie, you're the one who has the most talent for morphing. 
Then he flashed white teeth and dark. Besides, you like animals more than humans, so it's like you're halfway into a morph anyway. Suddenly, a dark shape swooped low over our heads. Lights, Tobias said. Up ahead, on the beach, there's a bunch of people moving in a line with flashlights, like they're searching for something. You can't see them yet because they're hidden by that dune, but they'll be here in a couple of minutes. Who are they? Jake demanded. I can't tell, Tobias said. My eyes may be great for the day, but at night, I don't see any better than you do. I'm a hawk, not an owl. Fortunately, I still hear pretty well. You guys hide in the dunes. I'll be right back. With that, he was gone. Come on, Jake said. He's right. Let's hide in the dunes. We crouched down in a pocket between two dunes. I lay flat on my belly in the cold sand and peered through the tall seagrass, focusing on the bright line of the surf. Tobias was back a few minutes later. It's them, he said. He came to rest on a piece of driftwood. It's a group from the Sherry. Chapman is with them. He turned his head and looked at Jake. Tom is with them, too. The Sharing is a front organization for the Yurks. Supposedly, it's this group for all ages, like Girl Scouts or whatever. In reality, it's a way for the controllers to try to recruit new voluntary hosts. As impossible as it may seem, some humans actually decide to become hosts for the Yurks. The Yurks like it that way. It's easier for them to have a voluntary host instead of a host that resists their control. The sharing is very subtle, of course. People are brought along very slowly, over time. New members have no idea what it's all about, at first. They think it's just fun and games. I don't know when they tell the members what's really happening. By then, I guess it's too late. They either become hosts voluntarily, or, like Jake's brother Tom, they're taken anyway. Tom is with them? Jake asked. I'm pretty sure, Tobias said. Some of the senior members, Chapman and Tom, are following behind the others. I could hear some of what they were saying. They're very worried about that fragment of Andalite ship. So it is Andalite? Rachel asked, excited. I guess so, Tobias said. I heard something else, too. The way he hesitated made me tense up. What? Something about Visser 3 having visions. That's what they said. Visions. I guess the visions made the Visser cranky. He was on the mothership at the time and decided to shove a hork out of an airlock because he broke the Visser's concentration. It's because of Visser 3's Andalite body, Marco said. That's the connection. These dreams or visions or whatever they are must be some kind of communication that's only supposed to be heard by Andalites. Suddenly, I saw the line of flashlights swing into view. There must have been twenty people strung along the beach, all looking down at the sand, moving forward slowly. They're searching for any other fragments, I whispered. A part of the line stopped moving. I heard some yelling. Others came running up, excited. What did they find? Jake wondered. I don't... Then, in a flash, it came to me. Our footprints! Four sets of fresh footprints that suddenly turn off into the dunes. Let's get out of here, Jake hissed. Now! Too late. The flashlight beams raced across the rippling sand and up the side of the dune. In an instant, a dozen flashlight beams focused on the notch where we crouched. We slithered back, down and out of sight. Then we jumped up and ran, 
We should morph, Rachel gasped as we stumbled over the sinking sand. No, Marco said. Tracks. We would leave tracks that went from human to animal. Get them, someone yelled. Chapman, I think. He's our assistant principal at school. I knew his voice from hearing him yell it in the hallways. Jerky, wild beams of light danced all around us. We ducked and ran as fast as we could, but running across the sand was like running through quicksand. Jake was gasping out whispered instructions. Double around. If they follow us deeper into the dunes, we can double around, get to the water, then morph. There, there, I see them. A beam of light swept over me. I could see my shadow, long and twisted, projected on the sand. I dodged left, out of the light. Just in time. Bam! Bam! Gunfire! Someone was shooting at me! Chapter 6 It seemed totally crazy. I mean, I've been in one-on-one combat to the death with seven-foot-tall hork warriors, and I've been shot at by Dracon beams that sort of disintegrate you slowly. But I've never been shot at with plain old everyday guns. It seemed nuts after all we'd been through. Bam! 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 Fit! I heard something hit the sand just inches from my foot. Ah! I cried in surprise. This was real. Real! This was really happening. A rough hand grabbed me and dragged me forward. Jake. I had frozen when I'd heard the bullet so close. They're all in the dunes! Tobias cried. Now's the time! Come on! Jake snapped. He half-dragged me up the side of the nearest dune, but by then I was moving fine, all on my own. I was scurrying up the side of that hill, snatching at handholds of scrub grass, pistoning my feet into the sand. Over the top, we slid and rolled and ran down the far side. We were back on the beach. I stole a quick glance to the right. No lights on the beach. They were all in the dunes, looking for us. Head to the water, Jake said. Morph to fish. Jake, I panted. Trout. They're freshwater fish. This is saltwater. You have a better idea? He asked. Bam, bam. No, I said. We splashed into the boiling surf. As I ran, I pictured the fish. I remembered being the fish. I focused as much as anyone can focus with a dozen or so controllers chasing her and shooting. My feet went out from under me. They had shriveled and begun to disappear. I hit the water and got a mouthful of salty foam. I tried to keep my head above water, but my arms were rapidly disappearing. The waves were high around me as they became smaller and smaller. My clothing billowed. The people from the sharing, the controllers, raced to the water's edge. I could see their lights, weirdly distorted as my eyes went from the air-adapted eyes of a human to the eyes of a fish. With what was left of my ears, I heard, The tracks lead right down to the water. Tom's voice. Then Chapman's. I don't see them. They can't swim far. The current is too strong. Fan out up and down the beach. Do you think they were the Andalite gorillas? No. The tracks are human. Just some kids, probably. I doubt they saw anything. That fool should not have been shooting. Sir, a new voice said. We found a pair of jeans in the surf. Looks like they could be from a kid. Any identification on them? No, nothing. Coincidence, Chapman said. Probably. 
If they're human, why don't we see them out there? Tom asked. Four sets of human tracks. No humans in the water. Is it possible? Is Visser 3 wrong? What if they're not Andalites at all? I sank beneath the water. The morph was almost complete. But as I went under, I heard Chapman laugh cruelly. Visor 3, wrong? Maybe. But I'm not the fool who's going to try and tell him. The morph was complete. I was a fish, less than a foot long. A trout, to be exact. Excellent broiled, fried, or grilled. The salt water was harsh on my scales, and my gills were barely able to breathe. Everyone okay? It was Jake. Now that we had morphed, we all had the same thought speech ability as Tobias. I'm okay, I assured him, but I can barely breathe. I think we'd better be quick. I'm with Cassie, Rachel said. I feel like my scales are burning up, and my gills are on fire. Keep the shore on your left and go full speed as long as you can stand it, Jake advised. Marco, are you with us? I asked. Oh sure, where else would I be? What could possibly be more fun than running around the sand dunes getting shot at and then jumping into the ocean and turning into a trout who, incidentally, can't live in salt water? I wouldn't miss it for anything. Now can we go home and watch TV? Chapter 7 The next couple of days we didn't get together, except for passing each other in the hallways at school. We do have lives beyond being animorphs, after all. Rachel was busy with her gymnastics class, plus she got to go to this ceremony where her mom received some kind of award for being lawyer of the year. And since this is Rachel we're talking about, going to an awards dinner means major shopping for a new everything. Jake had totally blown a test because he hadn't studied, so he had to do a paper as makeup work. And I was busy helping my dad out in the barn with the golden eagle who had almost been electrocuted. He was at a difficult stage of his recovery. Tobias dropped by one evening and acted kind of snippy about me trying to save a golden eagle. Golden eagles and hawks don't get along, probably because golden eagles are known to kill and eat hawks. It was a couple of days later that Jake rode his bike over to my house. I didn't expect him, so I was dressed like even more of a slob than usual. Plus, I reeked of various horrible things because I was mucking out the stables and cleaning the birdcages. Typical guy. He had the totally bad timing to show up when I looked like Miss Manure. Hey Cassie, he said in his usual casual way, like nothing was going on. Hi Jake, did you come by to help me shovel manure? He grinned. He has a great smile. It appears kind of slowly, like it doesn't quite belong on a serious face. I don't know, did I? Yes, you did, I told him. I handed him a shovel. If I have to smell, so do you. We worked a little bit with no sound but the steel shovel blades scraping the concrete. I knew he had something to tell me. I can always tell. But I figured I'd let him get around to it whenever he was ready. So, he said at last. So, I echoed. Look, um, I guess everyone is kind of waiting to see what you decide to do. This surprised me. I stopped shoveling. What? What do you mean? I mean, we're waiting to see what you decide to do about this dream of yours. I shrugged. I don't know. Besides, it's not just my dream. Tobias has it too, and all of you guys felt it a little, at least. 
Yeah, but Tobias figures he isn't going to be much help when... I mean, if we decide to do something. We're talking water, and Tobias can't morph. As for the rest of us, I don't know. Rachel and Markle were talking about whether it might have just been something they imagined, you know? Because you made it seem so real and all. What do you think, Jake? Jake stopped working and wiped his forehead with the back of his hand. He looked straight into my eyes. Cassie, if you tell me it's real, it's real. I think you and Tobias are right. But Marco was having second thoughts. He raised one of his eyebrows as if to say, You know Marco. I felt a queasy, sick feeling. You mean, I'm supposed to make some kind of decision? Like, I'm supposed to say what we do? Cassie, you're the one with the dream. Only you can decide if it's real, and if it's real enough for us to try and do something about it. I don't know if it's real, I said. What was he asking me to do? Every time we had tried to get into it with the Yurks, we had ended up barely escaping with our lives. Just two days had passed since I had heard bullets whizzing past me. Jake waited until I met his gaze again. Cassie, you know we all trust your instincts. You're the best at understanding animals. You're the best morpher. You know everyone in this group respects you. I made a face. Give me a break. If you think we should pursue this, you know Rachel will be right behind you. Me too. And Marco? Jake grinned. Marco won't be right behind you. He'll be several feet back. We both laughed. I don't know, Jake. It's a dream. It's like a vision or something. I don't know if it's real. He shook his head. I don't know, Cassie. I guess you just have to take your best shot and hope you're right. I cringed at that. I'm not Rachel. I'm not a risk taker. Can't you decide for me? I asked jokingly. He nodded solemnly. If you want me to, sure. And then if it's a disaster, it will all be on your head, I said. You'll be the one who feels bad. You'll be the one to blame. I reached out and touched his cheek. That's incredibly sweet of you. But you're right. I guess it's my decision this time. I sighed and looked around the barn. It smelled pretty bad, and sometimes it was a nuthouse of yammering birds and howling wolves and whinnying horses, all needing care and all scared of the care we gave them. But it was the place I felt most at home in the whole world. Out through the door of the barn, the fields of corn and open meadow stretched off into the distance till they pressed up against the dark trees of the forest. I know this is crazy, I said, but the ocean scares me a little. I understand the land. I understand soil and things that grow out of it. I laughed. I guess I'm just an old farm girl. You know this farm has been in my family since the Civil War? Jake winked. Do I know that? Please. I had Thanksgiving with your family last year, you may remember. Your great-grandmother gave me the complete history. Going all the way back to when the dinosaurs ruled the earth, I said. Grammy does tend to go on about our history, doesn't she? He looked serious again, almost hard. It's your call, Cassie. It'll be really dangerous, and we probably won't do much good. I mean, it's a big ocean out there, but it's your decision. Yep, I agreed. I shook my head slowly, sadly. I believe these dreams are real. I believe there's an Andalite out there, somewhere, somehow, trapped, calling for help. Good enough, he said. 
Now, how do we get out there? I frown, thinking of the possibilities. Some kind of fish? It would have to be something fast. Something that isn't prey. You know, not some fish that's going to get snapped up by a hungry tuna or whatever. Jake nodded, and it has to be something we can acquire. Which means probably something at the gardens. They have sea lions. And dolphins. But we can't morph them, can we? Why not? I... I don't know. It's just... I mean, dolphins? They're highly intelligent. It seems kind of, I don't know, kind of wrong. Well, you decide, he said, leaning his shovel against the wall. I have to go. I can't blow another test, and I have to study. He climbed back on his bike. You're just saying that to get out of shoveling manure, I said. Cassie, he said, I would rather shovel manure with you than do homework without you, any day. I think it was a compliment. Sort of. He rode off, leaving me much less at ease than I had been before he had come. Hey Phantomorphs, thanks for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. It's your host Daniel. I have nothing interesting to say this week, uh, just thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, you might like another episode. Why don't you go over to audiomorphs.podbean.com and take a look around. I don't know why I keep on phrasing it like that's super weird if you were to do that because that would be out of order. But, you know, go go check out audiomorphs.podbean.com anyway. Or uh, go look us up on iTunes because we are on iTunes now. And go ahead and leave a rating. Write a review. It boosts our SEO or something. I don't Just do it. You know, for fun. If you'd like to reach me and discuss this great series called Animorphs, talk about your favorite characters, or what animals you'd morph as, or to tell me to stop rambling in these after note sections, you can do that at audiomorphs, excuse me, audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, one small thing, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I will try to create a buffer and post, like schedule a post for that. Probably not going to happen, just so heads up, there might not be one for like the week of Thanksgiving. And I don't think you should expect one. Go be with your family, eat a turkey, uh, have fun. Anyway, yep, that's all for this week. Peace out. My name is Daniel. And I believe one day, the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight 